Alright you guys, welcome back to another episode of Little Man Big Conversations. I am of course your host, Little Man, aka The Flashman, aka James, and I want to welcome you back to another episode. Man, the responses we've been getting these last couple of weeks, hell, even these last two months, can you believe it? Two months already with this podcast. What started out as a little hobby has now turned into a where are they now of pro wrestling in and around Queensland and Australia. I'm finding people, models, actors, entrepreneurs, entertainers of all shapes and walks of life that want to come on here and share their stories. And hey, you guys get to have a little bit of info, a little bit of peek behind the curtain and find out what these people are like and how they created their perceptions and their personas and everything in between. Which brings me to today. In the history I've been doing my wrestling, there is a lot of happy memories I have. And one of the people that I got to share a ton of happy memory with is my guest today. My guest today is someone that I had the pleasure of knowing when I first stepped out of my home base at IPW in 2013. I was lost in the professional wrestling world. I didn't know where I was going. I made the trip two hours north up to the sunny coast. I met this man. We had a lot of fun together in and outside the ring. You may know him as the bad friend, but he's always been a good guy to me. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you Ricky Rembrandt. Ricky, how the hell are you, man? Hey, Flash. Long time no speak, man. <laughs> man, it's been a minute. We were, we were saying just before we got onto this podcast, man, that I think the last time I saw you was maybe close to, man, I want to say two years ago. It has to be. Um, it was Venom, and we yeah. had our blow off match, and yeah, that was a lot of a lot of stuff's happened since then. So <laughs> yeah, we got man, a lot to uh, talk about. Yeah, yeah. You and I have kept in contact um, pretty much close to as often as we can since last physically seeing each other. But for those that don't know how we know each other, I think it's kind of obvious as we've just sort of stated right there and then. But for those that don't know how we know each other. Take me back. I remember meeting you in 2013, and I came up to what was then known as QCW, Sunny Coast. And I remember meeting a bunch of young, up-and-coming guys, and you were one of them, man. Do you remember that day, and how was it for you? Uh, okay, so my memory's shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do I do remember. Uh, we were yeah. training at the Maruchador State School, I yeah. believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, my trainer at the time... Jamie said, oh, I've got a couple of guys coming up from IPW and, um, you know, I want you to be welcoming and, and, and talk to them and learn as much as you can. So we were like, cool. And, um, I, I knew of you and Matt, um, uh, sweet ass beforehand cause I do my research, but I was like, yeah, sweet. All right. We've got, got some new minds coming in. Cause at that time we needed tutelage from other people, you know, mm-hmm. like we, you, you learn lots of different things from different people. So we were excited to have someone else come up. But I remember getting to training and um, you and Matt were there and I, I saw him and he's a big fella. And then I saw you and you're a little fella. And I was like, <laughs> all right, all right let's, let's yeah. see what they got. And um, dude, the rest is history. Like we hit it off. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it was, I, I felt like it was an instant friendship. I don't know about you. I don't know if you had to work at it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I remember that coming to that school and uh, I remember sitting at the back of that room and Jamie uh, coming over to us and saying, hey, you know, boys, thanks for coming up. This is what we're doing here tonight. Um, if you guys want to take part or pitch in at any point, you know, please feel free. Um, but, yeah, obviously, if you guys don't want to, I totally respect that. But I will introduce you guys, um, like, 
pretty much at the end or whatever. And we're like, yeah, cool, man, you do your thing. We'll just sit back and watch. And there's a lot of young guys there. And I remember that training session, um, as soon as we rocked up, a lot of that training session was just a bunch of the guys and girls doing pretty much just finishing moves. There was like, there was power bombs, there was choke slams, there was Boston crabs, there was figure fours. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, man, okay, so when do we get to the training? And it kind of felt like these guys were kind of, I don't know if everyone knew who we were and respectfully, I appreciate the fact that if they didn't know, that's totally understandable. But I feel like a lot of them thought that there was like this dad and his son had come to watch training and they're like, <laughs> yeah, let's show all these off these cool moves and, you know, yeah, look, wrestling's fun. And little did they know that combined at that point, I think Matt and I had about uh, what would have been, would have been about combined like 20, 21 years. Matt obviously outranked me. And I remember the look on everyone's faces when Jamie at the end introduced us to the training group and said, oh, yeah, you know, Flash has, I think, five years experience at that stage. And Matt here has close to 13 years. And the look of everyone's faces just shut their eyes. And they're like, oh, no, <laughs> as if to say, oh, I feel so do? embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember that day, man, and I remember we quickly joined up shortly thereafter. And it wasn't too long into it that before you and I started doing uh, one chapter of our famous feud together. Do, can you can you remember the time when we first were put into a room and said, "Hey, you know, I think these guys should work together," and we we came up with the idea for a feud? Uh, I honestly don't remember whose decision it was to throw us together, but um, I've actually I've got a record in front of me okay. of sort of where it where it sort of started, like um, match wise. Yeah. Um, so it was July of 2013. We actually teamed up for the first time. Yep. And. Um, that's when it all started. So we teamed up and I think if I remember correctly, the result of that was we had a malfunction in the match and then that led on to a rivalry between the two of us. So yeah, I'm not sure, yeah I don't know who put us together. Um, maybe, maybe that was probably Jamie's idea, obviously, because he was, he talked to you and, and Matt a lot because obviously he knew you guys. And um, yeah, so I, I was, I was never sure whether you wanted to work with me or whether it was just, Hey, maybe these guys could, can do well together or, Mm. But yeah, that's how it started. We started as a team. And this yep. is what I love about the rivalry that we formed as well. Like it was so sort of, I don't want to say ambiguous, but it was, there was, we blurred the line between who was right and who was wrong in our rivalry. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yep. So yeah, yeah. And I just loved it because like we, we started off as a team, we had a malfunction that caused us to lose. And then we were like, you know what, it's your fault. And you're like, no, it's your fault. So then we, the following month we had our first one-on-one -on -one match. That was uh, August of 2013. Yep. Um, I won that match, just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, that was actually, it's a funny thing. Um, see, I think people look at what we do on this level, and especially back then, just how grassroots it was, you know, how how small scale everything was. So you, you think people look at that and they go, oh, yeah, you know, he won a title or whatever. It's not that big of a deal. But to me, no matter what scale it is, it was always a big deal. So that night um, that we had our first one-on-one -on -one match, we wrestled each other. I made you submit by the looks of this. And then the same night, later that night, I won my first title. So, like, 
That was yeah. a pretty big night for me. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah, I remember that night. Yeah, that was a that was a fantastic night. That was when we traveled. I think we traveled up north and we were nearby, I think it was your hometown. And it was Croy, yeah. It was yeah. Um, middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we did that it was show. Good. Just a tiny little hole in this tiny little country town. It was, <laughs> it was good. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of it, man. That's the beauty of traveling the roads, and that's the fun of independence. You never know what you're gonna uh, what you're gonna see and what, where you're gonna end up, but the fun is in the journey. I always like doing those drives up the road and uh, getting to the venue and trying to suss everything out. But yeah, I remember, I remember, uh, what was it? I, I think we teamed up because I had done, I thought I had injured myself. There was a, there was a freak sort of accident in a match that I had, I think about a, a, a month or so earlier and I'd come back and I just, I think we had all agreed that, Hey, let's make, let's turn this uh, reality into, into fiction. And we, I came back and I teamed with you and I think it was something along the lines of we'd lost, but it was you trying to protect me. And that's right. Yeah. Cause your neck was, was hurt. Cause yeah, you had that nasty fall. That's right. Maybe we yeah. should tell that story. That was brutal. Oh, okay. <laughs> so tell it from your perspective, man, honestly, cause like you lived it. I remember oh. seeing it and I remember I remember having the following match and seeing the Ambos rock up with the stretcher and everything. And I was like, holy shit, like <laughs> what's well, was, going on? But yeah, so it was crazy, sorry, man. Tell because, your, yeah. Tell your side. So what had happened, man, we, I, I got up, I got up to the building. Um, we were there. They were there pretty early, like a few hours early. And, um, I was working with my opponent and, uh, I, Yes, it was rabies, and we had come up with an idea where um, he was going to run up the ropes, and I was going to sort of pop up out of nowhere, and I was going to clip him, drop kick him in the shoulder, allowing him the move to the sensation, as if to say, like you know, I've used all the little power that I could, I've clipped him at just the right time, and he's then going to do a backflip in midair, like so. It's gonna, I'm going to hit him on one side, I'm going to leave enough room for him to do. It's pretty much like a yeah, pretty much like a moonsault backflip and just come down face first and take a front bump and I'm going to land next to him on my back, you know, as if, as if I've taken him out, like in, in sort of mid-run. So we get to that moment. Uh, he runs off the ropes. I come up for the kick and I have the tape of that moment. And what, ha- what had happened, it was just a freak occurrence. Basically, as I've, as I've jumped and I've gone to hit him, he's caught the move um, – across his sternum, like pretty much shoulder sternum area. However, as I've come through, instead of facing me face on, he's slightly turned to on his right side, so his right shoulder and right positioning is facing me. And once that's happened, it's just he's then gone to backflip, and I'm in midair. So he's now backflipped my legs that are still in midair from this dropkick. So he's connected with my legs, and we've both done a double backflip at the same time, He's landed on his face and I've landed crunch on the back of my neck. And I, I remember hitting there and I remember laying there and I had that gong sensation. And I started to get really freaked out because I'd seen a lot of those wrestling documentaries where, oh, you know, everyone, everyone that's hurt their neck or done something bad, they said, you know, there's a ton of weight on my neck. I hear a gong, I hear a sound, I hear a flash of light. And I had the gong sort of noise in my ears and I went oh okay and I remember lying there for what felt like ages and I was I grabbed the back of my neck and I was just lying there face down and immediately I'm thinking to myself you know damn it damn it damn it damn it damn it no 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 
and I'm like, all right, cool. Just move your leg. Just move your leg. Just move your leg. And my half my body's going, no, I don't want to move. I don't want to hurt myself anymore. And the other half of me is going, just move your leg. If you can move your leg, then it's not bad. We can, we can get through this. And as the famous saying in wrestling goes, the show must go on. So I finally mustered up the inner courage and worked out a negotiation with my brain that went, hey, I'm okay. If we hurt ourselves more than that's on me. And my brain went, all right, it's your body. So I remember in the tape, you just see my match. Yeah. So I'm lying on the floor. You actually got up and you finished the match. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm lying on the floor. I've gone, let's move my leg. And my right leg's gone and come up and fallen back down. I'm like, okay. So then we got up and the damn finish of the match was an elbow drop from, I think the second or the top rope. And I'm going, man, I've got to do this move. And I did the move and it was just, oh, it just made it feel 10 times worse. I hit the pin uh, and I just lied there. And the funny thing was the referee told me earlier that day, he said to me, hey, man, I'm really excited about refereeing the whole show tonight. And I said, yeah, why is that, man? And he said, oh, you know, because if anything goes wrong, wrong tonight, I've literally just finished my first aid course. And I went, well, fingers crossed that nothing goes bad tonight. And then the person that has something go badder than that <laughs> night is me. And it's like third Boy match out. And I jinxed myself. Yeah. I should have never I should have never agreed to saying to him, yeah, well, I hope nothing goes wrong because maybe it wouldn't have happened. But that's what happened. And I'm lying there in the yeah. ring. The ref comes over and he's looking at me and he's like, you're all right. And I said to him, you know, F, no, I'm not all right. I'm, I can't, I don't think I can move. And he goes, what? I'm like, I'm being serious, man. This isn't an angle. This isn't a storyline. I don't think I can move. You need to get some help. And he just froze. Like he was like shocked as you would be being like, dude, what? And I'm like, I can't move, man. Tell, tell Jamie, tell someone, bring someone out here because I cannot move. And I'm, this isn't a joke. I'm, I began to freak out. And I think they said a, a few faces out there and, um, I laid there for a bit and then, um, I can't remember who everyone that was in the ring that had come to assist me. So I'm not going to name names and take away from people that may or may not have been there. But I remember there was a few of them. They helped me backstage. They laid me on the locker room floor. And mm-hmm. as I laid there on that locker room floor, I was staring up at that ceiling. And I just, I, I remember getting really upset. Like I remember being really scared and upset. Um, and yeah, then the, the ambulance was called and I got carted out of there. I had a scan Thankfully, nothing was broken. Um, I had to do a bit of rehab. And yeah, so I thought, well, everyone has seen this happen that is of, uh, of fans following that federation. I think I'm all right, but it's happened. And I don't want to ignore the fact that, hey, this is something, this has happened. Let's make the best of a bad situation. As I said in my first episode, there's always a bigger positive to a negative situation. Negative was I had an accident. It wasn't on my opponent. He, he made sure he messaged me. He took, you know, he, he made really made sure that I was all right. Um, it was just one of those freak occurrences, even coming out of there, he was messaging me and making sure I was okay. And, um, yeah, it was totally, totally not on his fault at all. It was just one of those things that happens, but, you know, a lot of support, a lot of support coming out of that. But I thought, hey, I don't want to ignore that this has happened because it's happened. And let's take something that has happened and turn it into something or a storyline that hasn't happened. So I remember teaming with you and the concept was that I had come back with 
a fur coat and an arrogance and the fact of I'm invincible. And you being one of the big baby faces at the time in that company, the concept was that you wanted to sort of be the good guy here and go, oh, look, you know, my mate's here. He's a good dude. Um, you know, we've just, uh, we've just got back into the mix and I want to make sure that, you know, nothing goes wrong. So I'm going to make, I want to look after him. And I was like, yeah, cool. Ricky and Flash teaming up. This is awesome. Two, two good guys here. And the idea behind it was that something was happening in the match and either you sacrificed yourself or you did something to save me that caused the ending. I, I can't remember which way it was. Um, but essentially the concept was like, why did you do that? And you said, well, I didn't want you to get hurt. And my approach to that was, well, you don't believe in me. So it was two sides to one coin where it was like, no, I'm, I it's not that I don't believe in me. I don't want you to get hurt. No, no, you're a non-believer and everyone else is a non-believer. So we do that tag match. You sacrificed yourself or something happened with the ending where I either broke it up or you broke it up or there was something there that you did in good favor to, to save me. I took it the wrong way and that began our feud. We had the match after the next following month and that same night you won the belt. Then we began, we picked it up again a couple of years later because I had left and I had left to begin my own chapter alongside Sweet Assassin and Scott, it was around that time when I thought, hey, I've taken some time off here to do this. I'm not wrestling as active as what I once was, but I'm starting to feel good. I reached out. I'd come back up to the sunny coast, and the idea was put in place of, hey, let's reignite this feud again. However, let's swap it around. I was the arrogant, uh, I wouldn't really say bad guy, but I was the arrogant friend that just wasn't getting along with you and in the first instance of our feud and in the second part i'd come back you were getting beat up i made the save and but this time this time you took it the wrong way and then it was the roles were reversed we did this whole spiel where you were mad at me and that culminated in another match between us then i remember us going down to venom and that's where we had our third and final and i haven't been in the ring with you since yeah, so we had our first little section where we met each other. It was like, you know, we respected each other. We had a, had a match based on that. Then, like you said, you got injured. You came back, and then we sort of started off again. But like you said, you took it the wrong way because I was trying to protect you. And you know, so I don't need your protection. I'm good to go. I'm good to go. And um, that arrogance and that that sort of heel persona that you brought, it was it, like, it was really um, it was interesting dynamic because it was like I was just trying to do the right thing you weren't necessarily a bad guy, but you had a bad attitude coming back. And yeah. then that just spiraled out of control until we had another match. Yeah. And then, and then um, we went our separate ways again, like you said, and then QPW started up, um, which is what you were saying before. And I came in and sort of, I did a lot of training with you guys. And, and then afterwards, like you said, then this is, this is the stuff that I really like Cause this is when I first got a chance to be a proper heel and yep. um, you came back and uh, we started the thing and you saved me from a beat down and, uh, and I said, hey, look, thanks, but I didn't ask for your help and I don't need it. Mm -hmm. And then from there, uh, my attitude changed and I had the bad attitude and you were just like, hey, come on, I'm just trying to be a good friend, right? And now this is the this is the thing I love and I'm going to make this a thing down the track again. But the good friend, bad friend thing has oh, yeah. stuck with me ever since. It's, it's just something that like, 
it resonated with some people. Some people just really loved it and they still bring it up to this day. They're like, oh, it's the good friend or, hey, it's the bad friend. And <laughs> I just don't think it's ever going to go away and, and <laughs> nor should it, you know, like it, it could be an entire gimmick, you know, if, if, it could be a whole thing that we can just kick off again. But yeah, so, so what happened was we were building to a, a big final blow off match um, in QCW, but at that time, the company ended up folding. So mm -hmm. for personal reasons, um, Jamie had to close up and he was just going to shut it down and, and not even do a final show or anything. Just, you know, sorry, guys, close the doors. Um, but we convinced him that we wanted to do a farewell show. Mm -hmm. And um, it was essentially going to be sort of like tying off rivalries or, or doing tributes to all the good stuff that we did over the years in that promotion. And um, I remember we were set to have a match and then creative changed and whoever was running the show changed. It, it was a real turbulent time. Like a lot of, a lot of people weren't on the same page at that time. And um, it was decided that I was going to go on and have a match with two other guys as sort of like, let's redo the best match that was, that came out of that promotion. So, and then you were sort of pushed to the side and that never really sat well with me. And I always felt really bad about it. Um, because really, and, and in retrospect, after the way everything went down, you and I should have had our final one-on-one -on -one match then finish the story properly, but we never got to do it. So not sure exactly how long it was after that, but we've, we got a chance to work together at Venom Pro Wrestling. Um, I've done a few shows down there, not a lot, but when that opportunity came up, I jumped on it and I was like, well, this is good because I'm weird like that. I need... I like to have closure, like even if it's just so that I can go back later and go, see, look, we did finish it, you know, like we did, it wasn't just left open in the air. Like no one's going to remember except me or you or maybe a few other people, but I I felt good that we got to close it off. And um, getting back in the ring with you then was was just as easy as it has been every other time. And um, so. I'm, I'm happy we got to do it. Um, watching it back, <laughs> it's not as good as I remember. There was um, some really great bits in that match, but then um, – going on and, and learning what I've learned since then about psychology and, you know, what to do when and when, what not to do. Mm -hmm. I can pinpoint the exact moment. It sort of went a little bit awry mm -hmm. and then we brought it back around. We finished it nicely and, and it was good. But um, I mean, that's just nitpicking on my behalf, but um, yeah. it was, it was a nice way to close the chapter, I think. And um, if we were to open it up again, obviously you can just, turn that page, start a whole new chapter and it'll be like seamless. Yeah. But if, if yeah. it never happened again, I'm glad that we got to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Likewise, man. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful for the fact that we do get to do something again because yeah, it is one of those things um, where it just happened to click at the right time with the right people in the right scenario. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel the same, man. If we don't get to do it again, Hey, that was a fun little, uh, fun little back and forth we got to do from both sides of the coin. One side, you were happy, and one side, you were bad, and likewise for me. But you mentioned earlier, and this is going to be the best transition in history, speaking of opening up, let's rewind the hands of time. That's how we know each other. That's the work that we had to do together. Take me back. Where did it all begin <laughs> for you? Where were you born? Were you born where you are now? Have you always lived there, or have you been traveling around? Uh, I was born in Queensland, so I was, I was born in Brisbane, I believe, and um, 
I've honestly, I've stayed here my entire life. I've left the state barely a handful of times, not even that. (laughs) So I'm Sunshine Coast through and through. So yeah, I moved up um, Sunny Coast way probably when I was about two years old. Okay. And um, grew grew up there in out in the sticks, out at a place called Kinkin, and um, then we moved to Karoi, which is still a small little town, but a, a big step up in civilization compared to what I was used to. I was yeah. about nine years old, mm-hmm. and uh, I went through high school there. I lived in that house for twenty odd years, and um, right now I'm in Glasshouse Mountains, so I'm I'm just south of the Sunshine Coast, but I'm still in the same area. But yeah, yeah I've, I'm always. I'm always around, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've always been a Sun Sunshine Coast local. So yeah. you've obviously grew up. You went to school there. Um, when was it for you? And well, before I say that, so you grew up there and you went went through high school. What was the schooling experience like for you, being a Sun Coast boy? Were you at the same school, or did you did you travel to different suburbs and change schools, or did you stay at the same one? Well, I had three main schools that I went to. So okay. up until year four, I, I went up to year four in Kinkin. Mm-hmm. Um, there was very few students. You know, I barely wore shoes. It was that kind of school. It was real oh, wow. country. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, you know, back in the day before there was all these safety things and all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, look, a brown snake. Better put my shoes on. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. well, boring. Um, so that was that was the early part. Yeah, right. Hey, look, the principal's got a shotgun out to get rid of that uh, hazard. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Um, but that that was the early years. Then then I went to the Croy Primary, and that was that was a, a bit bigger of an experience. More um, more options like um, facility wise and things like that, and more students and stuff. Um, from there, I went to Noosa District Strait High School, which is also in Croy. So it was really just going from one school to the next, but staying in the same town, you know, most of the people I went to school with came up with me. So I knew nearly everybody in that year anyway. Um, so that was good. The, my primary school experience was always positive. I don't remember being bullied too badly or anything like that to the point where it, it ruined things for me. Um, I think <laughs> actually listening to your first podcast and saying that you have an affinity for comedy and stuff. I think I did too, because anytime anyone wanted to fight me or pick on me, I think I just made them laugh and they went, oh, this guy's not so bad. Whatever, we'll leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a powerful tool, so, right? It is, yeah, for in a lot of different ways. But I, I think I was lucky in that respect because I know that um, a lot of people growing up did have trouble with that kind of thing and, and I can't say that I did. So I'm happy about that. Uh, high school was the same. I, you know, I didn't have any overtly negative experiences. I just... I wasn't a straight A student, but I, you know, I was a nice medium ground. I, I did my work and I got through it. And I've always had a problem with deadlines and things like that. So it was always, you know, last minute cram, cram, cram. But school was cool. You know, I didn't mind it. Um, I was glad to be out of it when I'd finished. And it wasn't until I was a bit older after that that I realized, hey, stay in school as long as you can. But um <laughs> <laughs> it was all good, you know. Um, Sunny Coast is so so cruisy. It, it's always had that laid back kind of lifestyle, and I think that's why I found it so hard to leave here to the point where I haven't. So the sc- schooling went well. You graduated. What did you do after graduation? Was it around this time that you were exposed to wrestling, or did you discover it later on? Uh, well, wrestling has been a part of my household 
for as long as I can remember. So just to get, I tell the story a lot and it's just to give you an idea of like the time frame. Yeah. So I remember being very young and picking up a VHS. Now kids at home won't know what a VHS is, <laughs> but yeah. when we were little, there was these things called VHS, right? <laughs> anyway, so we, I was watching, I picked up this tape and I'm like, oh, what's this? WrestleMania 3 had been recorded right, under this tape. Right, and I was like, right. oh, wow. And I remember going, sick, WrestleMania. So at that point, I already was interested in wrestling, you know, like enough that I was like, wow, I found this tape. I'm going to put it in. When I put this tape in, it had been recorded over again because you could do that with VHS. Mm-hmm. And it was a darts championship. My dad had always played darts and and he'd recorded over it. And I was gutted. I was like, darts, not WrestleMania. <laughs> okay. So that's that's one of the earliest memories of wrestling that that I can recall. But uh, I've just my dad was always a wrestling fan, and I think we've always just watched it. So growing okay. up, um, I can't remember. Did you say you were a WCW guy in your last po- in your opening podcast? Yeah, the first imagery I had of pro wrestling was WCW, and it was Hulk Hogan hitting Goldberg in the back with a chair. Sixteen thousand people, or, pl- or maybe even more reacting like this was the greatest thing in the world. And I thought there was a damn police riot at my local shopping center. I had never seen wrestling before and I had no idea why 16,000 people were cheering on this man being beaten. Uh, that was my first imagery of it. That was the first time I'd ever seen wrestling and, and the channel was quickly changed. It was changed to the news and I asked what that was. And uh, I think, well, yeah, I was living never with my mind. dad and he was like, eh. yeah, he's like, eh, it's nothing. And I'm like, is it a news story? And he's like, no, it's definitely not a news story. But it, it, it never, I never lost that imagery from my head. And that's, that was my first exposure to it. That was the first time I'd ever seen it as a kid. And uh, yeah, it's stuck with me ever since. So, okay, you got the tape of WrestleMania 3. Um, mm. And never got now, to watch it. <laughs> and it wasn't even on there. It was a damn darts video. So when was the first time? So you've been screwed. You've been screwed over from WrestleMania 3 to watch damn darts. So when is it the first time that you get to sit down and actually appreciate wrestling? Was it after high school or was it – did you do something after high school that maybe led you back to the world of wrestling? What was after high school like for you? Wrestling it was around even before that. So I remember the tape. Um, that's my earliest memory. But I also – I was a WCW guy too. That's why I asked you – was a WCW that you were speaking about. And um, yeah. I remember things like World War Three, and, you know, <laughs> Nash winning that, going on to beat Goldberg with the help of Scott Hall and that cattle prod and all that stuff. I remember that very vividly. Um, so I was always a WCW guy um, up until things sort of went awry for them mm. and the product kept changing and, you know, every, every other week it was like a reset button and it would just – it started to lose me a little bit, but that was also the same time that I met a friend of mine, um, a guy named Tim, mm-hmm. and we hit it off. I'm pretty sure we must have still been in maybe year seven or something, like at the end of primary school. And um, he goes, oh, well, I've got the Royal Rumble on pay-per-view, and this was this was the year 2000, so it would have been just after I finished um, year seven going into high school. So it was the same Rumble that, Cactus Jack fought Triple H in that street fight. 2000? Um, and the one, yeah, 2000. Yep. Uh, the one with the taxi cab hanging from the, from the right. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I went and watched that with him. And that sort of, I went, oh, that's right. This is WWF at the time. And I, was, I remember thinking, this is the alternative. And I, I'd seen bits and pieces, but I'd always been a WCW guy. Mm. And from then on, I was like, 
this is so much better. Like it's just so much better produced. Even as, as a kid then, like I didn't understand all that, but I just knew it was a, a better product. And I, I, I'd already sort of drifted away a bit from WCW. And I just, from then on, I just, every pay-per-view I could get, I got um, WrestleMania 16 or WrestleMania 2000. I remember that. And yeah. it just, that's when it really took off. So I'd always love wrestling. I was always that wrestling kid at school that had, you know, Goldberg shirts on and stuff like that. And, you know, I copped a little bit of crap for being into wrestling, but not too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, it's always been there, man. Like it's just, and it's never gone away. There's, there's never been any point that I've lost interest in it. I've always watched it. I've always read up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until um, I must've been about, 24 ish. So, you know, a little bit fair ways after I'd finished high school. Yeah. Um, cause I went and I did graphic design and I, I explored my other passions, which is music and art. Mm-hmm. And I did a little bit of that. And then one day I just remember thinking like, you know, if I ever get the chance, I reckon I'd be good at wrestling. I just, I just think I'd be good at it. You know, I just, if I ever got the chance, I'm going to do it and I'm just going to see what happens. And, um, it took, it took a few years and then I started looking up wrestling schools and I was like, well, if I think I can do it, why don't I just do a bit of research? And, um, so I got on the, on the interwebs, mm-hmm. probably dial up at the time, who knows? <laughs> and, um, I remember the first one I saw was AWF, which is down in Sydney. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to move in a state if I want to do this. Like, and, and I don't know if it's going to be worth it. You know, I just don't know. So I didn't end up pursuing it. Um, cause I just felt like there was nothing up here. And then looking into it a bit further, I somehow got the contact details of a guy named Mason Childs, who people would know better as Australian Wolf. All right. So he was wrestling for a company called PWAQ, PWAQ. And he invited me and another friend of mine to come down and, and try out, just have a, a, a day at training and see what we thought and whatever. Um, I didn't have a great experience that day. So I went down and there was no ring set up, which is obviously being a, you know, a mark, which I was at the time. I wanted to get in the ring. And when I got there and there's no ring and there's just mats on the floor, I was sort of like, oh, okay. Um, but then for whatever happens through that day, I had a bit of a ne- negative experience and I went away thinking, you know what? if I'm going to do it, it's not with those guys. So I sort of just left it. And then it went, it sort of went quiet a bit. And then I discovered IPW, which is interesting because that's where you're from, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's where I started. Yeah. Yeah. So I found the sweatshop um, back when Hawk was running it mm. and we decided to make the trip down there just to suss it out and see how it was, see what the people were like. And we walked in there first thing I saw was a wrestling ring. So I was like, tick that box. Okay. That's good. Um, very small little industrial shed. You remember the, the black bricks with the white, um, the white brickwork, you you know what I mean? Like it's it's this image, this sweatshop image that's stuck in my head. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is what it's meant to be. Like this is, this feels right. And yeah, that's right. And Peter Ball, um, he was to me exactly what a wrestling promoter and a wrestling trainer should be. I could tell by how physically run down he was. <laughs> Sounds mm-hmm. bad, but like he had he had bad knees. You know, he'd he'd been through the prime of his career. He he was at the twilight of his wrestling career, and um, he had that experience, and you could just see that. And straight away, he took a shining to us, and he was very nice, very welcoming, but also 
he just threw us in there. You know, he was like, oh, no, you can try it. You can do it. You'll be fine. And it was like, whoa, okay. I remember getting in there, him showing us a lockup, showing us a few holds on the outside of the ring and stuff, and then going, you know what? You guys can stay around. You jump in with these this this more advanced crew. There was guys like Renegade and Blackjack. Uh, I don't remember seeing you there at that time, um, okay. but I remember meeting Tony Storm. Um, yep. Just lots of lots of people that are still in the industry here and in other places. And um, they're like, "All right, take a hip toss." And I was like, "I don't even know how to bump. Like, I don't even know what a bump is." So, all right, let's go. And and we just did it. Um, but unfortunately, that was short-lived as well. So I live on the sunny coast, and it's a mm. three-and-a-half-hour drive to the Gold Coast. And at the time, I didn't even have a car. Yeah. So I was relying on my friend to get me there, right? He mm -hmm. ended up giving up. So we went for five weeks, I think, maybe twice a week. Uh -huh. And we so we got a few, a few good sessions in, but it, it was only just over a month. And then he decided he could no longer make it because the travel was too hard mm. and just too expensive or, you know, just – logistically too difficult so he stopped going and that that was my ride so i was like Shh, what am i gonna do i kept paying them for like four five six months after that but i never went to another session okay so i was paying them to give myself a kick in the ass and go right if you're paying them get down there and get the training you know and i just couldn't physically get there mm -hmm. um so that was to me, like the one day at PWAC, I didn't count as any wrestling experience. Um, my initial start came with IPW, which I think a lot of people are surprised about because um, obviously I didn't get on shows or anything like that. But that was that was when I first stepped into a ring. That's when I learned a lot of – I still use some of the stuff that I picked up from Peter to this day. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's how it all started. Um and then just fast forwarding, I think it was another year, year and a half after that. Um, the most random person that I know had nothing to do with wrestling, didn't even like it, just said, oh, I've, I've seen this article in the newspaper, have a read. And he handed it to me and I was like, oh, wrestling, okay. Um, Jimmy Sparks opens up wrestling school. All right, okay. Send him an email. So I sent an email to this email address and turned out to be Jamie who um, – come over from New Zealand with Island Boy Sai and they were starting up their own fed, one here, one in Townsville. And um, I was the first person to email him and he mm -hmm. goes, well, I can't start a class until I get 10 people to do it. Right. And we started with four. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he couldn't okay. get 10 and, and he went, you know what, we're just going to do it anyway. So it was me, a guy named Ben Ayers, um, a Dutch kid named McKeel, real tall, lanky, sort of awkward kid and a real young kid called Robbie. So I was looking at these guys and me and Ben were sort of the only, like, obviously physically able to, to do it. And we were like, all right, well, who knows where this is going to go. Let's just do it and have some fun. So we started training upstairs at a PCYC on a gymnastics floor. So one of those sprung floors mm -hmm. um, until we got kicked out of it because we destroyed it. But um <laughs> That was the start of QCW. So you mentioned QCW earlier. Mm -hmm. um, Queensland Championship Wrestling was where I really started to sink my teeth into wrestling. So I trained there for about five months before they ran their first show. And then I was featured on every single show up until they closed doors three and a half years later. Yeah. yeah that yeah. was my start. So that was, that was it. You were 
you were loyal to the core there. It was convenient. It was brand new. It was something you could sink your teeth into and you were there for three and a half years. Now, after that three and a half years, you've had many matches under your belt. We got to work together. That's around the time we met each other. Uh, what was it like for you? Because I remember that curtain call show and you, you touched on it earlier about you wish we had got to have our blow off match then and there, but we got to do it later down the track. So that didn't matter in hindsight because we got to do it anyway. Would have been cool to do it then, but we got to do it eventually. But what was that like for you being one of the originals, being one of the first four to start in that company and three and a half years later be dealt with the cards of, Hey, we're going to shut the doors. What was it like for you? Was it, did you, were you able to sort of live in the moment of that show or did it kind of sink in for you about maybe a couple of days, a week later? How was it for you? Take me, take me back to that curtain call to show. I remember now for people who aren't in the wrestling business, there's what you see on the show and then there's what goes on backstage. Um, there was a a series of events that happened maybe 12 months, maybe more leading Mm -hmm. up to this event. And what happened is for whatever reason, the locker room got fractured. So we were a real tight family like unit and we all worked towards a common goal. And, um, basically stuff went down and it was never really the same again. So to me, when I got the phone call and, and Jamie rang me and he was, Yokotelli was pretty upset about the whole thing, but he was like, look, I'm going to shut down. How do you feel about it? And I said, good. <laughs> <laughs> I said, because it, it's not what it should be. And it, it wasn't what it could be. And I felt like if he thought it was the right thing to do, it was his company um, for him and his family then how could I argue with that? You know, mm-hmm. and I, I was sort of, I wasn't over wrestling. I was over the bullshit. Um, sorry for swearing. I don't know if I'm allowed to, but no, I was right. over it. So I was kind of like, whatever, man, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's cool. You've got my full support. We'll do whatever we can to make it easy on, on everybody, you know, what, whatever it takes. And yeah. he goes, well, I'm just going to shut the doors. Like I said earlier. And I said, well, I think you should do one final show for our fans. And for us, you know, like so that we can all farewell it properly. Yeah. Um, so then came up with the idea of doing curtain call. Now, here's the, here's the interesting thing about this, and I don't think many people would know it all or have spoken about it, but originally he didn't want anything to do with this final show. He said, all right, I'll provide the ring and the venue. You guys do it. It's your love letter to QCW. And I was like, sweet, because I've always loved the idea of doing booking and stuff and never really got the chance to. And I thought, you know, if I can just put together this final show with a, a handful of guys, um, some of the, the, the main eventers and, you know, the, the long stay members, mm-hmm. um, we got together and we started to put together these matches and it was like, wow, this is going to be good. All these little things will get people back in and, and just, you know, a nod to everything that we'd done over the last three and a half years. Yeah. But then the politics came in and um, certain other people who, you know, we spoke about this before. We're not on the, on this podcast to throw people under the bus or, or talk negatively about anyone. Mm. So I'm not going to name names or anything like that, but the control was taken away from us to the point where I went, you know what? Have it. I don't care. Just tell me what I'm doing. We'll do it. And then we'll be done. And that was my attitude. Cause I just, when that control was taken away, I was like, well, this is my passion and you just shit all over it. So, um, that happened. And then all the matches got changed. Some people just went, I don't even want to do it anymore. 
there was people involved in the show that had never even been on a QCW show before. Mm. And I was just like, Ugh, you know, and honestly, looking back on that card, there's not a lot of matches I was happy with, not content wise, just the fact that they were even on the card. Mm. Um, and the match that I was meant to be in the triple threat match, um, 13 and Mickey too fat actually got canned, right. which really pissed me off because I was in that match instead of in a match with you, you know, and then when certain people pulled out of that and that got changed, I was like, well, why didn't I just do this thing with flash? I think you ended up wrestling sweet ass, didn't you that night? Yeah. Yeah. We did. Uh, yeah, it was, it was sweet ass and all. I can't remember which way I think it was an open challenge thing, but yeah, yeah. yeah. We ended up being us yeah. too. Yeah. So that show just wasn't what it should have been. It wasn't what it could have been. And that honestly, it was just, <laughs> it was serendipitous because that is exactly what QCW would become. It was just not what it could have been and, and not what, not what it should have been. And I, I remember just thinking at the end of it, cause it was a hell of a main event. It was a fatal four way. It was for the North um, Queensland championship and the South Queensland championship. It was anything goes. And uh, it was myself 13 rip Riley and triple X rated. And we, beat the shit out of each other it was just crazy and watching back um a few people have said i've never seen a wrestling crowd get up out of their seats and follow the action around like they did because mm -hmm. they did they would they were just everyone was like Whoa! and to me that match was a great send-off for the company not the show but that main event was just exactly what we needed to just leave it all in the past you know and that's what i did after that i left wrestling for about nine months, I think it was. So the better okay. part of a year. Yeah. Yeah. So that, to me, that was like, all right. Yeah. I, I put all this time and effort into building up this company. Not that we got to amazing heights or anything, but we spent a lot of our time, a lot of our bodies, a lot of our energy into building this company into what it was. And then it was just gone. So, so was my passion. I was like, ah, I'm just going to tap out for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So you're burnt out at that stage. You're just with all the politics and the backstaging and the chopping and changing and the un unforeseen closure of that company. You were feeling like, "Hey, I need to, I need to cool down for a while." Is that, is that what it was like for you coming out of that show? I think burnt out is the appropriate term. I yeah. was, I was just done. I, I was sick of, like you said, the politics and all that, and just. I felt like I was spinning my wheels at the end. I was like, okay, we're not really progressing anymore. And then shut down. It's like, yeah, definitely not progressing now. And yeah, I was just wrestling in general. Cause like, I, I think you, <laughs> you would definitely be able to agree with this, but wrestling, especially backstage can be very toxic at times. There's mm. a lot of egos. There's a lot of opinions. Um, there's a lot of, you know, even if a lot of it's inadvertent, there is a lot of backstabbing and, and stuff like that. And um, a lot of, a lot of talk, you know, and it was just, I'd had enough. So I'm done. I'm out. I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. And that, okay. that's what happened. So I, I actually stepped away and you said earlier, you know, QCW was convenient for me and it was because it was local. Um, I, I took a few extra bookings after that, that I had already agreed to. Mm -hmm. So I honored those commitments. Um, I wrestled for PPW Pacific pro. I think I did a couple of matches with them. And then after that I was, I just, I clocked out and I just sort of, retreat i even I, I got off facebook i got off all social media and i just went back to basics you know and i was i was living life outside of wrestling for mm. quite a while yeah did you feel like 
looking back on that situation now, do you feel like that helped? That was the right call to make for you at that time? Or do you think, hey, I should have uh, stuck around? Because it sounds like you, it sounds like from what you're saying right now, it sounds like that decision for you was something that not, not what was wanting to happen, but you taking time away is what you needed to do. Yeah, I think it was um, because I was, I was pretty bitter um, at the closure um, mm-hmm. for the reasons behind it, which I won't go into because they're not my reasons and they were personal reasons. Sure. Um, yeah. So I, I was sort of just like, you know, a lot of, a lot of people's dreams and passions were involved in this and that just got pulled and that that's life that happens. Um, but yeah, I, I needed to get away because I was, I was pretty angry. Like I was, and I, I, I didn't speak to Jamie for a long time, not because I blamed him, but I, you know, I didn't speak to anybody from that scene for a long time. Cause I was just, if I'm out, I'm out, you know, everybody mm-hmm. go and do their own separate things. And, um, I think honestly to this day, a couple of them have come back into the fold, but I, for a long time, um, I was the only one left from that company. Um, yep. and then when I, when I stepped away, none of us were wrestling. So, and I think Jamie was really gutted with that. He was like, Oh, none of my boys went on after this, you know, and obviously things have changed now, but yeah, it was definitely the right call. It was time for me to, to get away, clear my head, fall in love with wrestling again, which is pretty easy to do when you, when you do love wrestling as much as I do. So it was yeah. the right call. So you've taken the time away. You feel like it's the right decision. What happens in your life then? So you've you've done a few of those sporadic bookings, but you've said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up the boots for a little while." Then, does life, seemingly outside of wrestling, start returning to normality for you, or was there other things in your mind that you wanted to try and achieve outside the world of wrestling? It was more just falling into a daily grind routine. Um, yeah. I I mentioned earlier I love my art and I love my music, so. I always have other talents to fall back on, mm. but I've never, I've never pursued either of those as a career. Yeah. Um, so really, honestly, I just got a job and I just worked and, you know, just living life as you do nothing, nothing to speak of. Um, I've got a new relationship. I found a, a girl that I loved and that was blossoming. So that was nice. Mm. Um, life as usual, man. Like it was, it was nothing, it's not like I went, hey, you know what? I'm going to change careers and I'm going to make something of it. It was just get away from that and just get back to basics and just just live, you know? So that's yeah. what I did. That's what so, I did up until, and this is where things get interesting again, wrestling-wise, mm-hmm. um, UPW, which was okay. a Gold Coast promotion, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so they decided to ship up to here on the sunny coast because I think the market was a bit oversaturated. There may have been some political issues and some heat there. I'm not sure what happened or what, what pro- um, provoked that move to come up here. Mm-hmm. But I got the call saying, Hey, are you interested in coming back to wrestling? And my answer without even really thinking was hell yes, I am. And then yeah. that was a realization where I was like, I am ready for this. It, it's time to get back in the ring. So, yeah. So you've taken the nine months off. Was it was it at the end of the nine months that you seemingly got the call or the, the call out or the reach out from um, 
UPW at that point? And did you immediately sign on or was there some hesitation? So was it at the end of the nine months that they reach out to you or did you just decide, hey, I'm going to take nine months off and see where I'm at? Well, I never put a time frame on it. As far as I was concerned, I was done with wrestling. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd stepped away from the Brisbane scene for my own reasons, um, had stopped taking bookings, and I had been asked from other places, do you want to do this, do you want to do that? And I was like, no. Um, but, yeah, I honestly had no – I didn't go out of my way to, to, to make it happen, put it this way. I got a call um, – I guess it doesn't matter if I say who it was, but um, 13 was getting involved in the running of things at UPW and he was putting things together, trying to see who was available just to, you know, start the ball rolling. And I think I was one of the first guys he called. Mm -hmm. And um, (laughs) I don't know whether he he knows me well enough to know that um, offering me a possible championship was going to sweeten the deal because he knows that I like carrying a belt. <laughs> um, but he's like, yeah, you know, I've got these ideas. Rah, rah. And um, I said, yeah, look, sign me up. Um, a, because I respect him a lot. And um, I thought if, if he's involved, then I can more or less expect good things. You know, like he, he I know he's passionate about it and mm. I know he has wrestling's best interest in mind. And um I thought, yeah, you know, I'll do it for him. Like, honestly, through my career, it's a common theme. If he asks me to do something, generally I will do it. Yeah. Um, just because I know I can trust him. And um, sorry, can you hear that dog? Yeah. <laughs> my dog's going off. <laughs> um, yeah, so he rang me up and he, he got me over and we had a face-to-face meeting, which is how I'd prefer to do things if I can. Yeah, and sure. we were talking and um, – he was just laying it out for me and, and what he wants from the company and, you know, bringing wrestling back to the sunny coast, especially because there was nothing here before us. And then when QCW closed, there was nothing again. And, um, I just, there's, there's a market for it here. You know, there's a lot of people around and, and there's not a lot to do. So I was like, I think it's going to be good. Let's do it. And I just, yeah, I put my stamp of approval on it and rest is history. <laughs> All right, guys, you're going to have to stop the podcast right there. That is part one of the conversation with the good friend, Ricky Rembrandt. Make sure you follow the podcast at LNBC Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And hey, it's also on Twitter at LNBC underscore podcast. I'll see you next week for part two.